Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kersher and Wendy Bowlesby. again to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am one of your hosts, Wendy, joined by my lovely and talented co-host, Melissa. She's also many other things. She's witty and erudite as well. And this week, well, I feel like lovely and talented is getting so passe. Um, this week, we are joined again by the very adjectival. What? <laughs> is that a word? I- According to the rules I just made up. It's a perfectly cromulent word. <laughs> totally cromulent. Um, so we are joined again by our special guest star, Eric Knight. Hi. And Eric is known to be pedantic, which is an adjective, but he is also um, very witty. Really? <laughs> and snarky, which is something very well, near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bitchy, even. Sometimes. Um, opinionated. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> even offensive. And too. passionate. I like all those mm. things. Yes. Mm. Yes. 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 And he's got a strong sense of color theory. You do. You're very aesthetic. You're like, no, that doesn't go. <laughs> you do know I'm mildly colorblind, right? <laughs> anyway, to get us back on track, I'm sure Melissa will edit this. I don't think we've started make... yet. Shh. Yeah, we're working on it. Shh. We we are drinking. This is an even-numbered episode, dear listeners, which means we've been, we've already killed a bottle and a half of wine. So the the remaining half of a bottle we have is called the show. It's S H O W S H O W. It has a horse on the front, like Mister Show, like heading up to the show, like Bull Durham, like making it to the show, the big time. There's no business like show business like no business i know also i mean look at the sort of sunburst of awesome on that label yeah this there's a sunburst of awesome coming out of the crotch of the horse yeah that's yeah and uh so it's very dynamic it is a malbec from 2013 it is from argentina and uh as we know we are fans of argentina here so yes we are we we have been we are drinking we will be drinking the show the show we're drinking the show which is so true (laughs) so meta so true all right so um we've invited eric to join us for another podcast here and Mm -hmm. what is our topic mr knight Anthony Mann Westerns. Sweet. <laughs> Which is so weirdly specific. So what? I, 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 so <laughs> I, will, I will comment that when they said, so what do you want to talk about for the second podcast? <laughs> I was like, well, so, I mean, so anybody who listened to the previous one that I was on knows that I've seen a lot of movies because of Cinemarex and sci-fi and fantasy stuff through that and i also and uh, you're a geek and i'm a geek and i like you know i am a, kind of a fan of classic movies as well though i honestly i'm so busy it's been years since i really watched a lot of classic movies regularly I, mm-hmm. i've fallen off the wagon so to speak on that uh-huh i get it because westerns that wasn't intentional i just anyway um so <laughs> okay when i called you witty i may have been overstating it uh, uh, I think the sound I made implied that. Uh, so see how I brought it back there? You're anyway, as witty as you so, are a color capable. Yes, yeah, thanks. So, but so the thing is, like, I feel like one of those people who knows a lot of different things, but not a lot about one main topic, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a movie fan. I know a lot of different stuff, but I don't heavily specialize in any one thing like horror or you know certain 
Your knowledge is broad, it, not yes. deep. Yes, it, yeah, yeah. In, in a lot in a lot of ways. You're a so, Renaissance geek. Sure, yes. sure. I'm right. Yes, uh, in more ways than one. So, <laughs> yeah, as again as previously discussed. So, um, <laughs> but so, but, but what was helpful was in this email thread when I was like, I don't know, I don't know what to type. That's that's a sound rep, that's an audio representation of what I typed. And <laughs> one of you guys re replied back, I think it was, uh, Wendy, I think it was you, replied with, well, it doesn't have to be, you know, it can just be like a particular film or, a, you know, a director or star, you know, something that kind of implied that you can be pretty narrow in your focus. And I realized, yeah, you spent a whole movie talking about Xanadu and if you can oh, pull yeah. that off... <laughs> oh snap anyway so your whore mouth is talking again i know <laughs> i believe i've told you to shut that i know um, unfortunately uh you didn't do any research on this topic so i'm gonna be doing a lot more talking <laughs> as anyway. long as it's not dissing on xanadu we're fine well you know no more than once every five minutes so oh, the, anyway, the but so so what it made me stop and think about is in the context of like some of the classic films that I love, I have a particular fondness for a couple of Westerns from the fifties uh, that were made by a director named Anthony Mann. Mm -hmm. And so Anthony Mann, so Anthony spelled the traditional way Mann spelled M-A-N-N. Mm -hmm. And so I did some, did some digging and found out that, the, that he was really known for three kind of main periods of his career because he did a lot of directing in the forties in the second half of the 40s, he started to become known for directing several known but not really big name film noir films. Yeah. Like 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 low budget, low budget but well but regarded yeah. for their yeah. placement, you know, kind of films. Yeah. Um and then in the 50s, he he wasn't limited to westerns, but he did a lot of westerns. Mm -hmm. Um five of them with Jimmy Stewart. Ooh. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then in the 60s, near the end, there was sort of a crossover because uh, the Western Cimarron is almost kind of an epic in its big sweeping and getting, and I think it's also on the longer side. And then he did direct two or three uh, epics in the 60s, most notably um, El Cid. El Cid. And then uh, The Fall of the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. Is El Cid the one where he rides off because he's died on the saddle and they tied him to it and he just rode off? Uh, good guy. I've never actually remember. watched it, but that's the one with Charlton Heston and Sophia Loren. Mm -hmm. I may have seen fabled it. Spanish hero Rodrigo Diaz. Anyway, so um, the big reason I wanted to to address Anthony Mann and the, the thing that is, is very interesting things about him as a director and how the the stories that he found. I don't think he actually wrote any of them, but he found these because and and really put I think his mark on them. Uh, as I said, he did five westerns with. Jimmy Stewart, as well as a couple other films with Jimmy Stewart. I think the Glenn Miller story. Glenn Miller well. story is, I think, oh, one no. of the things he's most well known for. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like that movie. Yeah. yeah and it's very sweet. So in 1950, I believe he had three or four Westerns come out. But the one that really was the big breakout was Winchester 73. Which with I Jimmy have Stewart, seen. And which is good. fucking amazing. It so is. Good. It is so good. The reason his Westerns were so good is in the 40s, he... He's actually given credit by a lot of people for kind of saving the genre of Westerns in film at all, because mm -hmm. a lot of the Westerns in the 40s were very, like, really formulaic, mm -hmm. mindless, like, shoot them up, chase cowboys and Indians, lots of stereotypes, the you know, the, the man in the white hat, the villain in the black hat, and all that kind of stuff. And Winchester 73 stars Jimmy Stewart. He is the protagonist. And the Winchester 73 is a rifle. It is, you know, it was it was a really big deal. It was like the rifle to have. It was I think it was one of the first repeating rifles. Yeah, and and they describe it in the movie as like a perfect rifle. It's the one in 1000 rifle. Right. It's a very special rifle. Yes. And and yeah. This rifle is stolen from him. Yeah. And he spends the rest of the film obsessively and crazily trying to track the guy back down so he can get his rifle. Oh. So he's the protagonist, and he's a little more of a good guy than the bad guy, but he's not entirely a good guy, and he's no. pretty freaking crazy-eyed. Okay? And this is Jimmy Stewart. And this is, this Jimmy, is Jimmy Stewart. Stewart. And, up till the, and, and this is the film that broke his mold. 
that changed his reputation of just being the aw shucks boy next door. Mm -hmm. And so film audiences were just like, what the hell? In, in seeing him in a role that really kind of went that far out of type and was really interesting and very engaging and it was, you know, very well received. And so it really start it was the, the, the first big film by Anthony Mann of what were considered either referred to as either adult Westerns, um, obviously not the way we would mean an adult film now, mm -hmm. or psychological Westerns. Yeah. Huh. Because yeah. most of the time, a lot of the characters in the films uh, had some amount of depth that they weren't just all good or all bad. Even the worst bad guys will often have a little something that you're like, oh, I kind of see where they're coming from, even though they're really fucked up. Mm -hmm. And most of the good guys have flaws. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's important to go back and note that, I mean, during the 40s, Anthony Mann was making films noir. Mm -hmm. And so all these, you know, shades of gray, morality, sort of crime, drama, melodrama things. And then all of a sudden in 1950s starts making these westerns. westerns that played off the same thing. Yeah. So yep. they're like noir westerns. They, yeah. And they, and they build in all this weird character complexity. Mm -hmm. And Winchester 73, which is the one Anthony Mann western I've seen, is, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And I love how the film treats the rifle as sort of a character. Mm -hmm. And and it the story literally follows the rifle around as it goes hand to hand to hand and you know bestowing ill fate upon whoever touches it but there there's also this um it's been a while since i've seen it i seem to remember there were a lot of uh native american characters that mm -hmm. were treated a lot more interestingly than you're used to seeing in films of that age that's one of the other things that i really like about him yeah. there are so since i made the decision a week and a half ago to do yeah. Anthony Mann Westerns. I yeah. didn't have a lot of time for study and rewatching, but I did rewatch a few. I, I didn't get, uh, Winchester 73 wasn't available on Netflix and I knew I wasn't going to get through everything anyway. So I, yeah. I grabbed what I could. I rewatched one that I do own is called the tin star. And I've heard great things about that. And this is not, uh, this is actually not Jimmy Stewart. Um, mm -hmm. apparently Anthony Mann and Jimmy Stewart had a falling out oh. in the late 50s oh. after making five westerns together in a couple other films. And they were working on another uh, film called Night Something. Not Night Shift? I don't know. But they had a falling out, and so they didn't do any more films together. But uh, And so there are a, a few more westerns that Anthony Mann made in the late 50s with other people kind of clearly fulfilling that slightly older actor role in that way. And so is, the tin star is Anthony Perkins. Okay. Ah, as a young yeah. guy who's just taken on the role of sheriff in a town because the previous sheriff was killed. Mm -hmm. And Henry Fonda uh -huh. is a bounty hunter okay. who brings a, a dead criminal into town to get the reward because wanted dead or alive. Mm -hmm. And of course the town doesn't want him at all. They're like, you know, we don't want bounty hunters. We don't want your kind. We don't want people who are just out to kill. He's like, you know, sign said dead or alive. And, you know, it's a lot, e you know, it's a lot easier, a lot dead. easier to bring him in dead. Good mm -hmm. luck bringing in a live person all the way out from the wilderness and, you know, get the reward and all that. And, you know, that kind of thing. But, but, you know, what ends up happening in the course of the movie, of course, is, is while he's waiting to collect his reward, the young sheriff sees him do a couple of things like, oh, he knows his, he knows what he's doing. This is a smart guy and he appeals to him for help. And so he actually kind of mentors him to a degree. Hmm. And in the in the course of it, he pisses off the rest of the town because they're like, why are you hanging around with that bounty hunter? And we're going to take your badge away. And yet he's getting a lot of help and good advice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, now, going back to what you said, mm -hmm. the older character ends up, you know, taking a room in someone's house, a woman who has a son, and he finds out that she's widowed. Mm -hmm. And the husband was Native American. Interesting. And he gets this look, of course, and she's like, you can, you know, you can leave in the morning, you know, because it's like, clearly he's taken aback and that mm -hmm. would be the reaction. And, you know, and he says something about when, you know, when you're brought up hating Indians all your life, that doesn't go away, you know, in a, you know, in a moment or whatever phrasing it is. It's kind of that, that thing. But... By the next day, when someone comes and offers him another place to stay, he says, no, I like it here. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of that, you know, it, I mean, yeah, it kind of shoves it in your face, but it's still not too heavy handed with the message that, you know, Native American stuff is not just, they're not all painted good, bad, whatever, but especially just the bad guys in all these films and, and that kind well, of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you they, know? the way Native Americans are treated in movies in the, the earlier years of cinema is just atrocious. Exactly. You were saying something about you don't feel you've watched enough westerns. I think that's no, no. I love, I love, I love westerns. Okay. Um, I oh oh that you you wish that it's you feel it's trailed off in society. Yeah, we don't get westerns anymore, and I and I understand part of why in that there is no frontier anymore. There that they are by their nature something that is dated. Yeah, we're further and further removed from that every decade that goes by. Obviously, yeah. I mean that's not yeah. Whereas a musical, but you can make a musical anytime, anywhere, right? And you can set it anytime, anywhere. Yeah, but a but, western is a lot more specific, right? Generally, which is why I kind of love Joss Whedon because he figured mm. out that you could make a western in space, mm-hmm. and that was entirely appropriate. Yeah, because space is full of frontiers. Yep. Yay! Yeah, and I love. I love the mythology of the Western. There is certain tropes that only pop up in a Western that are so satisfying to me. I grew up on those old films and I yeah. grew up on the, you know, the early John Waynes and stuff. So, yeah. and I miss, I miss those kinds of movies. Yeah. One of the next films on the li- on my list, and I think it's the next one that he did with Jimmy Stewart. Uh, so 1952, Bend of the River. Yeah. And I just watched this one uh, two or three nights ago. And I'll I'll note that it is less progressive about Native Americans, okay. not in any overt racism way, uh, but just early in the film, there is a sequence where the wagon train that they're on, they hear bird calls at night and they right. go and the, the two people who know what's going on, it's like, you know, the person's like, oh, I, you know, this other person says, never heard birds at night like that. Oh yeah, that's the night such and such. And you can tell the two guys are like, those aren't birds. And they go off and, you know, they go off into the dark and the two of them manage to take out like five or six Native Americans by creeping around and one of them gets attacked and almost killed. But then, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing specific. I mean, the, the they don't even interact with them other than to attack or be attacked and manage to kill them for their own survival. So... The in that sequence, they were the bad guys, and that there was an obstacle to be overcome, mm. which you could label as dismissive. But it's not in a. It, there wasn't any major, obvious caricature or interactions of talking mm-hmm. in in you know like you know a bad caricature way or anything like that. They're just part of. They they were part of the you know the setting, right? And then it moved on to other things that were more the more to the point of the story, really. Um, because there's there's a lot of the recurring themes there were someone, a protagonist, being wronged somehow. You know, the, the gun being taken from him or, you know, your your wagon loads being, you know, taken away and the goods being confiscated by someone who shouldn't do that. Or, you know, these, these kinds of things. And then trying to somehow exact some sort of compensation and or revenge. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the, the underlying dynamic you see in a lot of these films. Because that gives good complexity. That goes back to what I said about the good guys not always being entirely good. And so they're, they're very interesting in that way. And then I haven't read anything specific about this, but an assumption on my part, and I, if I dug more, I could probably find it. But I would not be surprised if Winchester 73 and Jimmy Stewart doing, doing that film and these other films with uh, Anthony Mann could very easily have led to him working with Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Because that's when he became not just the boy next door and right. adding that level of complexity. And then you get to have Jimmy Stewart be someone who was in a handful of Hitchcock films and things like Rear Window, mm-hmm. where you get the I'm stuck in a wheelchair and I get to be the crazy obsessed guy looking out my, you know, out the my back window in my binoculars watching my neighbors and seeing stuff happen. Or Vertigo, you know, which is or, darker or, than dark. Yeah, yeah, Vertigo, really where he's just it. he's just obsessed. I mean, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, um, God, I think the first time Hitchcock worked with Stewart was Man, uh, Man Who Knew Too Much, the remake, mm-hmm. which was what 1951 or so. I don't mm-hmm. know how you people keep 
and film and years. Which would, like which would have been oh, like, that was 1951. How do you fucking know that? Well, it would have been in one or two years after Winchester 73. Because right, right. how do you know that? That's delightful. I hang on, hang, I can check too. Yeah. Yo, you. I mean, thank God for IMDb. That's what I live by. Mm-hmm. But Melissa just says this. Oh, shit. to be fair, okay. I. Oh, to be fair, he, no, no, no. He was in. He was in Rope in 1948. So he had oh, already worked with Oh, so Hitchcock. that did, that predates. I but, was wondering when more Rope of a, was. Yeah, yeah. That's that. Okay. That's right. I, so my theory kind of falls apart a little bit there. But where's where's Man Who Knew Too Much? But I mean, it, well, Man Who Knew Too Much was after that. But yeah. um, Rope, I mean, in Rope, uh, Jimmy Stewart was the good guy. I Man, mean, he was like the moral compass of the right, movie. Right. He wasn't. He wasn't the. He he didn't have any of the weird or crazy obsession of. You know, of like you said, in in Rear Window or Vertigo, right? Um, and then yeah, so he was in uh, Rear Window was fifty four. Man who knew too much was fifty six, actually. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but yeah, and so there's there's just it's it's fun watching these films and analyzing the the personal relationships that they're portraying, even on a fairly surface level. Um, but seeing the blends of loyalties of people, you know, standing up for certain things or not others. Um, the Tin Star is great for that. The, mm-hmm. the, I honestly think the Tin Star is a little more simplistic than some of the others, but still really watchable. And one of the things that you get that's really fun in there is when when the main bad guy in town... Want, so, so a couple of guys are arrested for a murder. They're put in jail. Right. Most of the town wants to string them up and just hang them. Well, as you do. And the sheriff's yeah. like... Do you know? No, they need a fair trial. I told them they'd get a fair trial. They're gonna get a fair trial, and you know. But it's 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 one of the main bad guys in town riling up a lot of the other people with booze. A lot of the older gentlemen are in the the jailhouse, the, the sheriff's office, and, and the jailhouse, basically convincing him like, "Don't get yourself hurt." And the sheriff's like, "If all you helped, I wouldn't." And the dude, they're all just like, uh, this is a young man's game. Sorry. Oh, and they, what yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's super cool. Oh, yeah. Um, you know. Well, if you fuckers would stand up for what's right. Nah, I yeah. don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's work. Right. Right. And, in and so, and it's so, it's, it's a, it, that, and there, there are some really nice touches in that film that I think are just especially nice in that way. Um, I also watched, uh, just last night, I watched The Man from Laramie, um, from 1955. And, uh, again, you know, fun obsession thing, but the guy, you know, is, that one actually starts out seeming more, you know, by the book, but, you know, after dropping a load of, uh, uh, you know, several wagon load of stuff that's been ordered and already paid for, they, you know, they hear, oh, over here, there are these salt flats. So they decide well for the return trip instead of just hauling back air let's take some salt you know hmm. it's just it's just open salt flats so they're they're in and the middle who's, of who stars in this jimmy stewart this okay. is another james stewart one okay um and it, it turns out that that land is owned by somebody so they aren't just supposed to take the salt so we're in the middle of shoveling salt and crazy guy with a band of his henchmen comes up you know, saying, you know, hey, you know, what do you think you're doing? You're, you're, you're stealing. You're, you know, it's just like rustling cattle. It's like, I didn't know this was your salt. I'll be happy to pay for it. You know, and, and but of course, the crazy guy who's the son of the owner of the land fucks with them, shoots a bunch of their mules, burns the wagons. Jesus. You know, ropes the guy and drags him through a fire. So he's not going anywhere because he wants to exact revenge. Of you know, course. and so Jesus. that's that becomes the, the the you know the kind of the point of the rest of the film is like no I'm sticking here, and it, it get it gets even more complicated because the father who owns the land offers to pay him off and he does pay him for the loss of the mules and the wagons, but he still doesn't leave. <laughs> so it's just it, it and there there are all these you know, so the, a lot a lot of these like films have you, these. You were in the right up until this point, <laughs> but now you're in the wrong. But now we're in the gray area. You know, it's a little gray area, and there's you know there's another well, little subplot what, of why. Oh, so everybody what, has this little like odometer. A lot of, of people have. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. what I liked about westerns is the the really good ones. You didn't quite know who was good and who was bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, and 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 even the good guys, you're like, mm, you're doing some questionable things, and the bad guys, I can kind of see why you're doing that. Well, and part of the yep. reason why that works so well is because westerns have this long history prior to interesting stuff like this of mm-hmm. having this really cut and dried. Um, white hat black hat good and mm-hmm. bad sort of thing yeah i mean they were they were you know just like maybe that's pop why culture. westerns have died out is that we are now so far away from the underpinnings mm-hmm. that the psychological drama doesn't have the connection back in the yeah. same way or as much surprise yeah. yeah like it's it's not so much of a twist or a revisiting or uh an interesting retelling of the genre because that is the genre now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you you no longer have a generation of people who grew up on Westerns as pop culture. Sure. You know, growing up as a kid watching the, the Cowboys and Indians and Good Guys I, and Bad Guys. We played and, Cowboys well, and Indians yeah. even in the 70s, even yeah. though there weren't actually that many Cowboys and Indians movies anymore. Mm-hmm. But you still played it. Yeah. 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 And, and But I mean, that, that died of... Fairly quickly after that. I mean, oh, yeah. Because, I mean, once you got into the 70s. Well, you got to the spaghetti westerns in the yeah. 60s, but then the 70s. And you have a, occasional exceptions. I mean, Unforgiven in the early 90s, oh, for yeah. instance. Was that 92, I think? That was something like that, yeah. Um, you people say these things. That ties to me being the only time I went and worked at um, Renaissance Festival in Massachusetts. So I have a specific reason for remembering that one. But anyway, <laughs> that's not just me being crazy. Um, Unforgiven is great. Another, another example. Unforgiven is 1992. Yeah. yeah. Another example, the, going back to the one I watched, Bend, uh, Bend of the River, when you talk about the gray area and like, okay, so the, the, it's the Wild West. Mm-hmm. There's a lot less law. There are points where people are genuinely probably were making their own law by trying to have enough well, people in the to town protect... or protect what they had and sometimes doing questionable things just to protect what they had. So in that story, of course, there's a point where they are... They, uh, Jimmy Stewart and some of his people are bringing goods to a settlement and these, and they are running out of time. Okay. Cause winter is coming uh, and no game of Thrones reference aside, but seriously, they're getting close enough that they, they, there is no way that they could turn around and go back and get more. They have to bring these goods to, for the settlement to make it through winter. They've mm-hmm. already been purchased. They've already been paid for long before some of the people in the party Want, they they happen upon people from um, a gold rush settlement that offers them some crazy higher amount of money for it, like 10 oh. times as much. And most of the group wants to just do it because we'll be rich. And yeah. Jimmy Stewart's like, if we do this, we're condemning those people to die. They're going to die. And they already paid for this. This is their stuff. These are their goods. You know, and so he has to, fi- and of course that leads to more drama and, you know, mm-hmm. and all that, but that's, that's the, that's, oh, that's good. But there's a lot mm-hmm. of good, you know, there are a lot of good layers like that in some of the, in, in some of these films. That's so, good. Well, so well, because they're putting their life on the line too, to try to get these goods to them. And look, we're here, we're getting paid now mm-hmm. for this stuff yeah. without risking further injury okay yes the right thing to do is to give these people what they paid for and yet did those people pay for me to risk my life right mm-hmm. right i i basically prepped kind of the list of all of the films of by anthony mann in the 50s that were westerns yeah whether jimmy stewart or not so winchester 73 which i already mentioned and was really the breakout one for this is you know kind of pioneering it as a genre um also 1950 the furies Mm-hmm. Which has Barbara Stanwyck Ooh, and hey. Walter Houston, and I have never seen this. Um, a fire... Is it based on the Greek play? I don't think so, because it's a <laughs> firebrand heiress. She clashes with her tyrannical father. Anyway, but um, um, also nineteen fifty, The Devil's Doorway, and this sounds like it's got it's a. It, I think it's a true. It. Well, I don't know if it's a true story, but it's apparently a good example of being progressive. The description just, Lance Poole, an Indian who won a Medal of Honor fighting at Gettysburg, returns to his tribal lands intent on peaceful cattle ranching. What's the name of that one? Devil's Doorway. Oh, that, oh. Yeah. Well, I need It stars to Robert that. Taylor, Lewis Calhoun. So, I mean, and again, like right there, you've got, well, here's somebody who won a Medal of Honor fighting in the Civil War. Yeah. But he's an Indian. So yeah. is he good or bad? I mean, you know, that kind of thing, you know. Well, but you don't actually see a whole lot of those stories in exactly. the same way that you don't. 
for as much as we know that blacks fought in the Civil War, right. you mm-hmm. don't actually see a lot of stories about them. Sure. Yeah, we, we have glory and that's about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and pretty much. boy, that is a movie that... Excellent it's a film. Fan, it's an excellent film and it makes me very, very sad and angry. Yeah. As it should. Yeah, mm-hmm. of it, course. It, as it is its intent. Yep. So then um, Bend of the River, uh, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, from 1952, um, which also has uh, Rock Hudson... <laughs> and Julie Adams and uh, you see a lot of the supporting characters being reused a lot they worked for the same studio and you know, mm-hmm. like Harry Morgan who went on to be in MASH oh, yeah. is in several of these and, um, and as I recall Rock Hudson shows up in Winchester 73 as an Indian at one point Native American. Oh, oh, oh does he? Oh, yeah, like in a very tiny part he does, he does. yeah, young boy I forgot and about Tony that and Tony Curtis yeah, is in many it for years. some reason it's, yes uh-huh. man Man, yeah, you. I'd forgotten about that. You might <laughs> have seen it more recently than me. That I know. I'm totally drunk and I'm eating donuts yeah. and I still remember that Brock <laughs> Hudson was a Native American for a bit <clears throat> part in Winchester 73. So Go then uh, 1953, The Naked Spur. This is another uh, Jamie Stewart one with Janet Lee and Robert Ryan and Ralph Meeker and, um, Ooh. you know, and... Uh, a bounty hunter trying to bring a murderer to justice is forced to accept the help of two less than trustworthy strangers. Mm-hmm. See, less than trustworthy, but they're helping him. Oh, yeah. That's classic Anthony Mann right there. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's complicated. There's layers. Uh, <laughs> well, he's helping me, but I don't understand what his motives are. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the Far Country, which I also... Did I... No, I didn't. I didn't have time to watch this one. That's right. That's right. Jimmy I think Stewart I got it from looks Netflix. surprised in that. Poster. Yes, he does. Uh, it's, it's, it's probably the DVD. <laughs> he <cover>. seems like. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, uh, this is another Jimmy Stewart one from 1954. Um, then in 1955, The Man from Laramie, which I mentioned, uh, and then in 1955 also, but uh, The Last Frontier, which has Victor Mature, Yay. and Guy Madison, and Robert Preston. Yay! Fantastic, and Anne Bancroft and a, James Whitmore with a capital P that rhymes with T that stands no, for pool. Wait, whatever. capital T that rhymes with P which stands for pool. Never mind, I'm drunk. Oh my God, you've drank <clears throat> enough that you can't quote music. Man? I know, Man. I'm so sorry. Jesus. Wow. And then uh, the and then from 1957, the Tin Star with Anthony Perkins and uh, Henry Fonda, and those are the I think those are the big name people in that one. Yeah. Then there's one called I've never seen, but God's Little Acre. Hmm. Uh, Robert Ryan, Tina Louise. <laughs> yes, from, from Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Yep. Um, and Aldo Ray, Jack Lord, who went on oh. later to do, yeah, uh, Hawaii Five O, Vic Morrow. Oh, my God. So, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And then uh, in 19, what, 1958, also same year, Man of the West with Gary, Gary, Cooper. Gary Cooper and Julie London and Lee J. Cobb and Arthur O'Donnell, Jack Lord again. Mm-hmm. And then 1960. BT Dubs, I want the last name Lord. That's just a great <laughs> yeah. last name. So then in 1960, uh, Cimarron. And this is his last Western, I and believe. A, and a remake of the 1931 Cimarron. I believe, right? yeah. And this one's, but this is uh, Glenn Ford, mm-hmm. uh, Maria Schell, Ann Baxter, Russ oh. Tamblin. Oh. Um, Vic Does Morrow do again. I don't think so. Um, but Vic Morrow and and so the, here's the and then and then he moved on and did you know El Cid and uh, Follow the Roman Empire, which by the way apparently Follow the Roman Empire did so badly it bankrupted the producer. Oh my God, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's but, kind of a claim to fame. I guess. Yeah. Good job, but bud. One of the one of the interesting things that it, it also I get the impression from a few of the things that I read quickly in passing to try and prepare for this is that um, if you think about it the huge sweeping epics of the late 50s and early 60s were kind of a natural progression because a lot of these westerns had the glorious cinema scope look at the scenery oh Oh, my gosh we're in the southwest mesas and huge rock formations and mountains and Mm -hmm. the you know and all that and it, it just kind of follows that like oh hey this guy does cool you know he knows how to frame a good shot with big stuff going on and, Let's and, have him make a big epic film. And, and Anthony Mann liked doing action, like that super wide screen, and he liked filling it with action. Yeah. So you'd you'd often get this really 
rectangular screen with action going on in one corner and action going on in the opposite corner. So, like, you could never pan and scan that shit. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But also, into I mean, yes, the progression of film, but also, let's think about the culture of the time. Like, Mm. you know, the late 50s, early 60s, we were still riding high on American exceptionalism. Mm-hmm. By the late 60s, cynicism was setting in. And counterculture. Well, oh, yeah. But the other big thing, the other big reason epics happened the way they did, though, in the mid-50s to early mid-60s, it was much more sheer capitalism because television was a big hit to yeah. the movie industry. Yeah. And so they had to do something to try and be bigger and more interesting. Well, yeah, once television hit, that's when they moved away from the Academy format mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of, you know, that that four by three square yep. format. That's when the we got, big, when we got the bigger, screen. the wider, yep. the that, more, the that's more, the, the color and the, yep. the kinescope the and, the, and kaleidoscope and the Cinerama, Cinerama, the Cooper Theater, the Cooper Theater, which oh I my just God. read up on again. And oh. we're going to go on a total fucking the, tangent. Doesn't doesn't it just break your heart? Oh what happened to that? I just okay. read about it again. OK, dear, li- dear listeners, there was a f- uh, phenomenon called. Cinerama back in the late 40s or early 50s. I don't want to say late, mid to late 50s is when I thought. Maybe it, you might be right. I get yeah. it, But it, the, the biggest champion of it was a gentleman named Marion C. Cooper, who was the guy who directed King Kong. Yep. And he basically founded three theaters. Two of them were in Colorado. One of them was in Minneapolis. And the one in Minneapolis was called the Cooper Theater. And, and it, it should have been a national historic landmark. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was this giant curved screen, kind of louvered, if I remember mm. right, so that, you know, you didn't get the distor- distortion of the screen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was some sort of crazy screen format. And uh, Huge screen. It was, it was enormous. And it was, the theater was this, like, 50s modern orange <sighs> cylinder looking thing yeah. in oh. St. Louis Park. We should put a link in the show notes on this Oh, too. yeah. yeah. And, Where and was it in St. Louis Park? 394. Uh-huh. Just west of Highway 100. Yeah. South side. Um, well, there's the new there's the new theater that like serves the, the, the booze Garden. upstairs and all of that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. A, just a little further west of that, but on the south side of 394. So where the Costco is. Oh, you mean where the Cooper Bar is? Yes, it's right in that same area. Okay, that makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's I remember so it being in, actually in St. Louis Park. But anyway, anyway, dear listeners, I think technically it was because it's on the south that side is of that Louis highway. Park. Okay. It is St. Louis. Park. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but anyway, I, I worked at a the Arby's. Yeah, the Arby's headquarters of Minnesota is in that strip mall, and I worked there. And, okay. and our address was St. Louis Park, so I know that. Dear listeners, it closed in 1992, so I'm stretching my memory. But mm-hmm. um, the, the the final movie that played there was Dances with Wolves. Oh. And they closed it down that night, and the investment company that bought the property came in that night after they shut down the projectors and gutted the place overnight because they were in a race with the historical society who was trying to move to make it a historical site to preserve the theater. Because it should have been. Yeah. They basically tore down the place overnight. Because it was a Cinerama theater, yeah. because of, you know, the screen and the projection system, there were films that ran there for over a year. Yeah. It's like, until another really huge film comes out, this is what's showing there. All right. But we were going to talk about Anthony Mann. Was there anything you had to wrap that up, Mr. Oh, Knight? boy. <laughs> well, I was kind of intentionally trying to wrap up by... You know, just shooting through the list at the end there yeah. uh, with, you know, what were, there, what were his film, films noir back in the 40s? You know, the thing is, I actually looked over the list and yeah, none of the names actually leapt out at me, to be honest. Because... Yeah, they're, they're all low budget melodramas. There were there were a few of them that were kind of strike points in the genre, but you have to really work hard to track them down these days. Yeah, I and mean, they're, they're not they're not things that were big names. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, there's one called Desperate. There's T-Men. Um, I think Raw Deal is one of the other... Raw Deal uh, is probably his biggest 
uh, yeah. film noir. Um, Reign of Terror, I think, might yeah. be. Border Incident isn't. Side yeah. Streets, I think, another noir one. Well, and yeah. this was about when noir was dying out going into the 50s, right? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, noir extended pretty well into the 50s, but, I mean, by the time 1950 hit, he was off into Western territory. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, there was like a cutting point, and, and he went from noir and, and then Western. It's yeah. like, and predominantly, yeah. I mean, he did, I mean, like I said, the, in 1954, he did the Glenn Miller story. Yeah. Um, in 1955, he did another one with Jimmy Stewart called Strategic Air Command. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, you know. Wasn't that a video game? I see. It should be. So, yeah. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm imagining that video game now and it has, it has pixels, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but yeah, um. Yeah, and and like I said, you know, this is just it was kind of like a good excuse to drill down into something that I I I knew a couple things fairly well about and then just pursue it a little more and have some fun digging into it on my own so I could talk about it with you guys. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and I I fully appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Having seen Winchester 73, it's it's a remarkable film. Yeah, and several like yeah. I said some of these are available my, I was trying to get as many of the Jimmy Stewart ones as possible. Mm-hmm. Some of them are available on Netflix discs. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I own the 10 star. That may also be on... I, I think that's also on Netflix. That is on Netflix now. Okay. Um, it okay. was unavailable for a long time, but yeah. it is available on DVD now. Okay. And I actually watched one of the films on YouTube because... You know, people periodically post entire films. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so before I was able to get any of them from Netflix... One of the random films I was able to just watch on on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, like, eh, okay. Well, legal gray area. I mean, Click. well, I felt me watching it is less pirating than the person who posted it on YouTube. That's true. Well, and also, there's a part of me like, well, if you've made it so goddamn hard for me to watch this thing, yeah, and the yeah. only way that I can watch it is on YouTube because oh, none yeah. of the none of the local stores have it. You won't let me buy it. I can't rent it. Then you're kind of asking me to pirate. Yeah. Well, well yeah. I mean, to if, be if, fair, to be fair, yeah. with my limited amount of time, I'm sure I could have seen more of the films if I'd gone to Video Universe, the best video store in, in the Minnesota. Universe. It's absolutely it's not true. in the universe. But because I knew that I had a week and a half and was only going to be able to watch a few films that I could get from Netflix anyway. Mm-hmm. That was that was where my and it was like well I could go spend money and rent a bunch of films that I won't have time to watch. Mm-hmm. No, so no you, you, it was a practical choice. Video oh, yeah. Universe is the best video. Yeah, yes. It's true. If you live in the Twin Cities, I know you guys have talked about it before. I mean, I'm talking to your listeners again. If you listen, <laughs> if you are a listener here in the Twin Cities and you have not been to Video Universe in Robbinsdale, go check it out because they have. So many movies. They have a lot of classics, a lot of obscure stuff. And a knowledgeable staff to the extent that I trust them when they make a recommendation. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I'm in the mood for something. I can't figure out what I want. I'm like, all right, talk to me. Yep. Mm -hmm. Tell me what I should watch. Yeah. And you can get and they've got a deal where you can rent uh, five films for a week. At a, I think a very affordable, or like yeah, around like ten bucks. bucks or they 10 have or a lot bucks. of daily deals, yeah. like and Sunday. They've got, daily deals they've got two to things. two or three for ones, like three or four nights a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like if, if you if you rent a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, you get two for ones. Yeah, yeah. and if you're remotely on the west side of town, it's worth checking it out because yeah. you you literally can get stuff there that you cannot conveniently or at all rent yeah. on Netflix or streaming or other things like that. You know, and oh, yeah. if you I, don't want to buy it. I've gone there going, okay, there's this Godzilla film I can't find. There, It's not on DVD. And they go, oh, yeah, we've got that on videotape in the basement. I'll go get it. Anyway, so, all right, we're moving into our end game. Now, Eric has already answered our questions in the previous podcast, so it's time for us to move to our Pleasure Dome recommendations. So, mm. Eric, you can take a moment to think about what something you might recommend to our listeners. I have something to recommend, something that has brought me joy this week. Is it donuts? Donuts are awesome. Okay, this is something that is particularly in my wheelhouse in a lot of ways. The cast of the current Broadway show of Newsies. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
Okay, so we all remember Newsies, which was the movie musical starring Christian Bale. Uh-huh. Very little, tiny Christian No, he Bale. was a teen at the time. But little, tiny Christian Bale. Because I saw this as a <laughs> double feature with Beauty and the Beast, the animated God. film. When, okay. that came, when that got released, I saw yeah. it in yeah. theaters. It yeah. was not... It was a bomb. Nobody came and saw it. And it's got choreography. The original movie has choreography by Michael Jackson. And boy, does it. Anyway. <laughs> well, the, Disney huh. is like dusted it off and turned it into a Broadway musical. And it is actually getting a lot of really good critical notice. People are really enjoying it. So there is a YouTube video right now that has the cast of Newsies singing the current pop hit Shut up and dance with me, which I find to be incredibly fucking catchy. It's really super duper catchy. Like okay. it pops up on the radio and the volume goes up and the windows go down and you just start dancing while you drive a little bit faster. So it's the cast of Newsies singing a version of this with minimal accompaniment, but lots of male harmonies okay. and tap dancers. Love me some vocal harmonies. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Men singing in harmony together. Plus, tap dancing. This is so me. Yay! Thank you so much. Yay! So we'll link to that in the show notes, listeners, and you can watch it and enjoy it. Because shut up and dance with me. This moment was my destiny. She said, ooh, shut up and dance with me only with tap dancing and lots sure. of harmonies nice it's super good it's really fun so uh, okay who's I'm, up i'm gonna go next because i think that mine will be less legitimate in a weird psycho way um <laughs> awesome awesome well i was thinking like okay what so the the one i mentioned before wasn't a recent find this is and this isn't a recent find but it's just something i've been really getting into lately okay. you know you go through phases of different stuff all sorts of different things it could be like music you know, you, oh, oh, I haven't been listening to that group in a while. And then you get on a kick and you just listen to them or, you know, that kind of thing. Arugula. <laughs> like the lettuce? Yes. Oh, my God. Really? The green. Seriously. Like, <laughs> no, oh, I'm oh, trying Eric, to wrap No, no, no. Brain. This is so weird. No, but it's oh, like, Eric, okay, I, love I like, you. I, I like, I like. I mean, I've I you know I've had arugula many times in the past, and then recently. <laughs> but then arugula looked deep into my, <laughs> in my eyes, eyes and, and I knew it was the one. But re- but recently, like we made homemade pizza, <laughs> and we bought arugula to go on one of the combinations we wanted to make. Oh, arugula on pizza is it's fantastic! Good. It's so good. It is. And then and then we had leftovers, I so am, I was okay. So first I, off, oh no, oh no, oh no, no, I know what you're talking about. You're man. putting vegetation on a pizza. That is oh, so wrong. No, 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 no. Oh, right. Man, so uh, right. This and Xanadu, two strikes. <laughs> <laughs> two strikes, Wendy. What happens when I get to three, Eric? We'll find oh, out. No. Anyway, I, so we'll all find out because I don't know either. Oh, no. But anyway, no, but seriously, so like literally after after we made pizzas, you know, pizza with it along with some other, you know, stuff, you know, whatever. So then like we had leftover in the fridge. And so instead of like, usually I do spinach. Or a spinach and arugula blend for sandwiches for because I take a sandwich to work almost every day. And instead it was like so it's like, oh, just arugula. And I was like, oh, that extra kind of slightly spicy peppery bite that arugula has. And it's like so good. And like a few nights ago, I was sitting I, I was sitting looking at stuff online, just eating straight arugula leaves <laughs> with nothing on it as a snack. I'm oh not even God. kidding. Oh, and yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Arugula. Arugula. <laughs> so if you like things that are just like have a little hint of spicy peppery bite to them and you like greens in general and you haven't really delved into arugula. <laughs> and I don't know why I feel I have to look at the microphone while I say this, but I am. Oh, my God. I uh, I wasn't expecting somebody to ever recommend a vegetable. <laughs> Vegetables are awesome. I have no actual issue with this. I'm just bemused. That's good. That's great. Okay. Arugula. Arugula. Hell yeah. So. I don't know if I can top that. Uh, I wasn't. I was expecting mine to be just psychotic because it's like, what? Really? Oh, man. But, that's amazing. So there's a, a podcast uh-huh. that Wendy and I are doing. Yes. 
aside from this one. <laughs> I am on all the podcasts. Okay, so, uh, dear listeners. Oh, you and Matt Alex need to do one together then. <laughs> Before I leave town, Matt, you and me, baby. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, dear listeners, you may already be aware that I do a uh, podcast called A Real Education. R-E-E-L. It's, it's about... You know, mm-hmm. classic films and Tim Wick and I show... Not just classic, but like, yeah. seriously, how have you not seen that? Yeah. Because or, I remember know. that Jenna had never seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I was just like, what? what? Yeah. And and so, you know, we're, we're Tim Wick and I, who know things about movies, show a friend who knows nothing about movies. Uh, movies. movies. Yeah. So... Wendy and I and our friend Allie Ellingsburg uh, decided to do a version of that podcast called A Real Education Noir, Ooh. where we just do films noir. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's we're been doing super great so far. Yeah. So we're doing a, a deep dive into wow. film noir, and we started with Touch of Evil, and mm-hmm. on the seventh. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and with Charlton Erica. Heston as a Hispanic person. Oh, we yes. talk about oh, that. We talk about oh, that fuck extensively. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And that gets a lot of mention. And by the yeah. time this goes up, uh, episodes two and three will also be up. You know, episode two okay. being out of the past, which is super good. So good. Yeah. And oh my god, forget, so good. And I forget which one uh, episode three will be. Well, but, and it was great, yeah. <laughs> Eric. We uh, we started the podcast. We started recording before we started posting, as we so often do. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then the Heights Theater had a lipstick and murder film festival. Yeah. Oh my! For a month. Yeah. yeah, so wow. like we just went every week and recorded oh, episodes shit. after. So yeah. we'd go watch a movie at the Heights and then come back here afterwards and record. Damn. Yeah. So we have a lot of episodes in the hopper. So even after Wendy moves to Austin, we'll have plenty of episodes to go up. Yeah, <laughs> we're still working out the technical details on me still podcasting from a distance, but yeah. we'll figure it out. Yeah, well, we'll definitely Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome will prevail. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are, I used to be on a, a podcast called The Geek Life at thegeeklife.tv, uh, which has ended now after 250 episodes. But, you know, given that we recorded 250 episodes and only recorded mm. about four of them all in the same room with one another, this can be done. <laughs> it can be done. It can be done. So, dear listeners, if you would like to check out Real Education Noir, Noir. Mm. Uh, you can check that out at R E E L E D U N O I R dot com. And there's great pictures of both Melissa and I in black and white. Yeah. With lots of shadows. Yeah, because it's dramatic and noir. Mine's kind of fossy ish. Yeah, Let's you're really fossy. It's very fossy, but it's black and white and there's lots of shadows. So it's okay. Did I start this one? I should. I think you did. You can end it. I could end it, or Eric could end this one, too, the way he did the last one. (laughs) So, listeners, (laughs) you've been listening to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome featuring... That's my job. Melissa Kirscher. Bye-bye. And Wendy Bowlesby. Hello. I've been Eric Knight, your guest and apparent announcer. Thank you, and good night. We have donuts. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Colorblind ever stopped you from having an opinion? Uh, Never.